0: What's up everybody, welcome to episode number 24 of Granny Shot, your not-so-serious all-things NBA pod. I'm Ryan Carroll, I'll be joined shortly by Don and Delco, but first, as all you regular listeners already know, let's kick it off as we always do with the Granny Quiz Question of the Week. Now the question, as always, is themed around the episode topic, however, because I had quite a difficult time writing a question on the topics for this week, and given that this is episode number 24 here at Granny Shot, I decided to theme it around Kobe, KB24, and the All-Star Game, which just released the fan-voted starters this past week. So with that said, let's get right to it. The question is... Kobe Bryant and Bob Pettit are tied with the most all-star game MVP awards, each having won four. After that, the list contains four players that are tied with three MVPs each. Name as many of those four as you can. As always, we'll reveal the answers at the end of the episode.
1: Yo, yo, Delco, Don. How goes it? It's going good, Ryan. I look way better than Delco does today, and uh, we just had like three hours trouble with my freaking laptop not working. So I'm a little heated, but it's all right. Got a lot of anger for today's episode, which is always nice and spicy.
2: Yeah, I'm, I'm not gonna lie. I'm a little bit on the struggle bus, but you know, I I got on it in time to record. I'm here, ready to talk about basketball. My computer's working. Can't say the same for Don, but we're here now, and we're we're feeling spicy.
0: Yeah, only an hour and a half of technical difficulties. So, I hope you guys didn't have anything else planned for today.
1: No, this takes up my entire Sunday. I don't, I don't feed my kids or do anything. I just <laughs> do this. Is so that what? What do you think of that uh, quiz question? You guys have any confidence in that? Yeah, I feel pretty good about it. Uh, I definitely know two. I think I know three. Ooh. I'm sure. I may be wrong. I mean, I, unless I'm thinking out of the box here there's probably one that's going to be one or two that's going to be older name i don't know i've only
2: watched like one all-star game (laughs) so i don't i don't know who's the mvp of those or if it correlates to like who who you would think the best player in a game like that would be but we'll find out so it sounds like delco is probably going to
0: continue to fall behind in the granny quiz question standings
1: what else is new (laughs) we'll see we'll see Yes, we will. All right. So,
0: guys, the past week, let's talk about some of the big things that happened. One, I just want to call out the Clips beat the Jazz in one of the two games. But the first game didn't really count because Paul Jordan quite in play. But the one where both teams were, for the most part, healthy, the Clips do win that one in a close one. Called that out last week as one to watch to see if the Jazz are for real. Not saying that they're not because they lost, but that one seed is going to be really important, in my opinion. Uh, you had Jamal Murray hit 50 points, the most efficient 50 points in the history of the NBA. You had Embiid hit 50 points. It's uh, interesting timing considering our last episode where we talked about MVP candidates. Anyways, any, any call-outs from those performances over the last couple of weeks? You also had Draymond's comments and his antics last night that probably cost
2: the Warriors the game. I, I have a lot to say about Draymond, but going back to those 50-point performances, um, A, you know, Joel and Embiid definitely staking his claim for MVP and two, Jamal Murray. You know, we saw this Jamal Murray in the bubble. I think a lot of people expected him to be more of that guy this year and he's been very quiet, like dead silent almost. He hasn't really done much at all. Jokic has all the attention. He's been playing also MVP level. But, you know, who who is Jamal Murray is my question. It, like, can we expect more 50 point games from him? Will this reawaken bubble murray and this is where he emerges or is it just you know he can get hot once a month maybe and that's what we saw
1: the jamal murray that i know and love is the jamal murray that accidentally tweets bj videos (laughs) that's that's the one that i want the headmaster (laughs) jamal murray never forget that's the one that i want i mean maybe maybe there's one that was leaked and that's why he went off again it's kind of funny in fantasy this week i'm playing a guy who has Embiid, murray and Jokic. Jokic had a 16 for 23, 48 point performance uh, against the Celtics, which was another monster game that we talked about Jokic last week for an MVP candidate and beads. I will say and beads, 50 points was without Simmons there. Simmons has been absent most of the week. That's a little bit to be noted. It's still a, like amazing performance, but you know, the Murray and the Jokic performances to me were a little bit more notable because both of them were on the floor.
0: Can we get a tiny violin to play over Don's sob story about his fantasy team?
1: We we can. I mean, fantasy. I'm not gonna get. In, I'm not gonna get into that fantasy. Literally, fantasy no one issues. gives a shit. Um, yeah, I'm not gonna get into it.
0: Well, let's talk about Draymond. How about that game last night? Double technical off of you can call a questionable call, but puts the Hornets on the line for two free throws. They knock him down and end up winning at the buzzer. Four point swing in about eight seconds.
2: Yeah, so I'll I'll start with, with the game last night. And I'm someone who was kind of a proponent of Draymond. I know preseason I said how important he was to that team and how much they missed them. And I think that's true. But if you're going to take the good parts of Draymond's fire, you also have to call out when he does something so stupid that it loses them the game. And he single-handedly put them in a position to lose against the Hornets last night, just being a complete fucking idiot. And I think... His comments this week were just so wildly out of touch. I mean, I don't even really know where to begin. <laughs> There's so many points I can make here. I'll start with when he said Harden was castrated and we destroyed that man. Bro, what the fuck are you talking about? Like, What is the, the level of measurement or comparison here that we're saying Harden got castrated? The dude very clearly gave up on his team. To the point where his old teammates were like, "Yeah, he gave up on us. It's it's terrible. Like, he was a complete fucking chodge bag. Left them completely out to dry. Got his way. Went to the team that he wants. He's being paid out the fucking ass and got everything that he wanted. And Draymond's upset because people like called him out for his bullshit and said he was being an asshole. Like, what what the fuck are you talking? Like, what is his point? You know what I mean?" Like Harden got everything he wanted and he was a fucking douchebag about it. And what? We're not supposed to say anything. Well, I, I think that his his call out, right, is that he thinks that there's a,
0: a double standard there in the sense that no one's calling out the calves for sitting Drummond. But I, I definitely I, I agree with some of the points that you guys are making. But I also think some of the things that Draymond said had some validity to it, too. In regards to your Harden comment, right? You know, he said, quote. To watch Andre Drummond before the game sit on the sidelines and then go back and come out in street clothes because a team is going to trade him, it's bullshit. I take issue with that comment, particularly because I think it's, to your point, out of touch. Now, when he does go on and start using Harden as an example, I also don't like that piece either. But he does talk about some other things, too, that I think are actually relevant, like when Cousins found out he was traded at the all-star game in the middle of an interview like that's shitty stuff but, but like you that know what? shouldn't
2: happen he's he's wrong because people did talk shit about that like the harrison barnes thing i very specifically remember there being a narrative around like this dude's on the court about to play a game for you and he finds out before the game and everyone was like that's really shitty and you know everyone shit on the kings for being a terrible organization that's what we do we shit on you know on moves like that so it's not like everyone was applauding the Cavs for doing what they did they're just like oh yeah that's that's part of it it sucks i'm not gonna you know similar to not hang on
0: let me let me let me say something about that because i would actually argue that what the Cavs are doing is
2: very transparent and sort of nice and beneficial to andre drummond because he's not gonna he, he he doesn't have a risk of being injured He doesn't have to, like, go out there and pretend to fight hard for a team that he doesn't necessarily want to play for. And he's getting fucking paid the same amount of money. I would love if my boss was like, hey, Michael, sorry, we're trying to move you to another company. We're going to keep paying you, but just, you know. Stop working. Stop working. I'd be like, (laughs) what the hell?
0: There's definitely a lot of irony and. In that part in particular, especially using the Drummond scenario, because I I think personally, right, the alternative for Drummond is, hey, we want to start, you know, really playing Jared Allen more. Let's not tell Drummond that we're going to do that and just plant his ass on the bench and move his minutes to five minutes a game. Like if I'm a player and like even just as like a worker, if someone, your boss comes to you and says, you know, hey, we're going to be very transparent here and tell you what's going on. I would prefer that as opposed to, you know, just trying to figure it out. Right. And just just trying to predict or 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 read into something that may or may not be happening.
2: Exactly. And that's just like on the long fucking list of how ignorant and out of touch Draymond Green sounded. I mean, so many things like the way he said these players when they're on the trading block are expected to stay in shape and stay professional or their careers on the line. Like, yeah, no fucking shit, bro. You're getting paid tens of millions of dollars and they ask you to stay in shape and stay perfect like what they're not what that's not a big ask (laughs) like do your fucking job that you're being paid an elite amount of money to do and I'm, I'm not even one of those people who are like oh these people are being paid millions of dollars they shouldn't you know they should shut up and work shut up and dribble I'm not that person but just to say the comments that he made it's just like it, ma- it makes no sense and I again, I don't think it's right. I think people shit on organizations all the time. There's people shit on the Knicks and James Dolan and how he runs his organization. People shit on the Kings and how they run their organization, how they... Michael Jordan, he gets shit all the time for running an organization like the Hornets. Dude, yeah, exactly and you know, I'm not saying that things are perfect and players shouldn't demand additional rights but like the NBA is actually one of the best leagues in the world for like representing their players and giving their players a platform. And then you have Draymond come out and honestly, he j- you just sound like a whiny bitch, Draymond. And, well, that's what and he, none that's of your what points are valid right here. Well, let's talk
0: about that. The Andre Drummond piece, I agree with you. I don't think that part's valid. And I actually think, like I said, I think the Cavs are probably doing a, a nice thing for Drummond and being transparent about it. But I do think, like I said, you know, the pieces around players finding out that trades are happening, on the floor or late in the game that's shitty like i agree with that piece but that's like totally different from the calves piece i also agree with the comment on Kyrie irving to an extent right i don't like that you know people will say hey this guy's getting paid 20 30 million dollars it doesn't matter what their mental health is right mental health can be an issue regardless of how much you're getting paid regardless of who you are so that part's important so his comments on Kyrie. I resonate with a little bit, but the way that he said it, I didn't like it. Because I also, I don't think, you guys can correct me if I'm wrong, I don't think Kyrie ever came out and said, hey, I need time off for my mental health. I think he was just like, yo, I need a break. Uh, well, right? we, if we, he, don't, we
2: don't know. Like, maybe he texted the owner and provided details, but the owner certainly didn't step up and say, Kyrie is in contact with me and we know everything that's going on. It definitely seemed like he was like, I don't know, you tell me, you know? And so... That's. I think that's a, a that's a good point, Ryan. Like we, I think we should respect, uh, you know, mental health regardless of uh, of how much they're being paid or anything. But th- there's also just a standard of professionalism. Like if you're being paid that much money and you're that important to a team, then be more transparent. I and mean, it definitely doesn't seem like Kyrie was. And I don't think we really know for sure. But you have to imagine the Nets owner would have come out and been a little bit more sturdy. You know. Yeah, and path. I
0: guess my my point is is that. I think that the reception to Kyrie taking some time off, if it was known and it was a, there was a statement where it was, you know, hey, I need to take a step back from my mental health. I think the reception would have been a whole lot different than, oh, hey, Kyrie's just not playing tonight and we don't know why. And maybe some people say it's none of your business, but you can't get mad at people for speculating when you have no clue what's going on. Right? People are going to speculate. So if you want to end the speculation, then why not say, you know, hey, I needed a mental health break. And maybe use it for good, you know, use that platform to highlight I'm having mental health issues, right? Something along those lines. So I I also resonate with that piece of what Draymond said as well. I think a lot of people are saying are like, I agree with everything he said, or I disagree with everything he said. But I think there's like three different subjects within everything he said. And so I'm trying to break those out. I agree with portions of what he said and highly disagree with
1: other portions of what he said. Can we also talk about just the timing of his rant about how these players need to be respected? I understand. Like Again, I agree with Delco where I'm not the the one to say, oh, they get paid money to shoot a basketball in a hoop. But at this point, we're in the middle of a pandemic. There's 800,000 people every week filing for unemployment. People don't know where their next meals are coming from. People are worried for their families. And we have Draymond here complaining that they don't know where they're going to be traded. It's like people don't worry about that in, in normal life. They worry about if they can keep their job and still continue to you know, pay food for their families. Or like it's the just essential
2: like, workers who have had to go in and, you know, risk contracting the virus every day, whereas the NBA is like maybe the safest place you could possibly be because of how stringent they've been with, with testing and keeping everyone safe. And it, I'm with you, Don. It's just completely out of touch and like not being empathetic to the situation that a lot of people in the country and the world are dealing with right now.
1: Yeah, it is completely out of touch with society and it was a huge fault for him to say that and he he really should issue an apology considering everything in the world that is going on and has been for the for the past year and a half. That's not no going to happen. Wa- <laughs> I know, but no one wants to hear continue to bitch about respect and not having their own respect because because they're going to get traded to another multi-million dollar organization in another great city. It's like fucking spare me. Like no one wants to hear your shit.
2: And then the it's irony up. of a couple of days later, he's like screaming into the face of a ref, like not treating him with in any respect, and then ends up losing the game for his team. So
1: yeah, Ryan loves Draymond. That's why he's holding back.
0: No, I like I said, I definitely don't have the same feelings that you guys have about it. I'm somewhere in the middle, I think. But you know, some of the things that you said would make it sound like that the media and Twitter and social media is, you know, like oh, I can't believe Draymond said that. But from what I can tell, what I've seen is it's mostly the opposite most people saying you know hey i i agree with what he said there should be changes so you know why
1: we live in a soft world ryan we live in a soft soft world
2: i'm just not really sure like what the changes like what what is he even asking for really you know like i mean with harden what what does he want us all to like stand up and applaud harden for being so brave to demand going to brook like what the fuck does he want with that um and a, a, I feel like AD never really got backlash for asking for a trade. I I don't really recall exactly if there was backlash or not, but I, I know he got a fine and and maybe I think that's a bit more of a gray area on should he be fined. You know, it's at one point it it kind of undermines the contract that was signed, but on the other hand, I do agree that like you can you know teams can put players on a trading block, but the players can't really put themselves in a position to say I don't want to be here.
1: Yeah, he definitely got a little backlash. I mean, he was sitting out for, remember, he was sitting out for like multiple weeks in games and he was like, he was demanding a trade, but I think it was just done so softly. And I also think it, it does matter to a point, in my opinion, uh, from a public standpoint where the player plays and like, obviously the Pelicans were bottom feeding for so long. And AD was the superstar who was carrying that team and they tried to add cousins and that wasn't working and just everything they tried to do was not working well. And so, like, I do think, in my opinion, I do read it differently when AD wants to be traded and then someone like KD wants to be traded, where KD just, you know, dropped the fucking ball against the Warriors in that playoff series. And then he goes and joins the best team of all time by a record that, stand. That's a
2: whole other rant.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I know. I'm just saying, like, for me, I just see those two. That wasn't things a trade that, either. That's, that's
2: slightly irrelevant. Yeah. Still a bitch move. But you, you can look at... How about how about a better example is the Paul George situation, right? I mean, he wanted out of OKC. He was transparent with the team. The team was transparent with him. They worked together to get the best deal for all parties. And Paul George ends up leaving on good terms with both the team and the media and going to the team that he wants to go on and doesn't get any black clash. And, you know, I think that type of example just kind of shits on what Draymond is saying. Like... I, I, I still to to this point in time don't know what the fuck he's saying <laughs> like yeah that's how I feel yeah yeah well, like I said you guys are definitely more a
0: little bit more passionate on it than me I agree with you on on the pieces from what he said from Andre Drummond's situation but you know the Kyrie piece I, I do resonate with what he said there uh let's talk about his uh behavior in the game last night so Draymond's real hot in the news these days and last night the double tech Warriors fighting for a playoff spot how can a 30 year
2: old veteran let that happen because he's a spoiled brad who just like thinks he can do whatever he wants i mean i, I it's funny because again i do kind of like the guy i like his game and i think what he brings is important i think that fire is important but you know he, he just clearly wasn't using his head it was like a demarcus Cousins style move where it's just you you're putting your team in a horrible horrible position and steve kerr touched on it and he said you know i know draymond is incredibly important to this team he's a great vet a great leader but that there's absolutely no excuse for what he did and you know i don't i don't know what else can really be said about it he fucked up yeah and
1: uh it's kind of funny
2: last night i was
1: watching doctor strange great movie well it's 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 decent but it's it's a fun movie and there's just this one line where like towards the middle to the end and uh the the main character pretty much is told it's not about you Right. Because there's like this Dr. Strange, very arrogant doctor who always thinks it's about me, me, me. And I just like that. I relate that to Draymond so well. I just want to like grab him by the cheeks and say, it's not about you. And that's, he's always played that way. I mean, for someone who gets so assists and plays really unselfishly a lot on the court, maybe that's just because he has great shooters around him. He can be so incredibly selfish and lose the moment and not think about the team and only think about himself and these very, finite circumstances and he and he blows the games for his team and i just i think that's his it's always been his biggest fault um as a player as we all know he has a lot of upside i mean again he's great at distribution defense leadership he has a lot of great capabilities and characteristics but when it comes down to it he has this selfish mechanism that takes over in times where it needs to be hindered
0: Yeah, I I don't know that I would call it selfish. I think it comes off as selfish, but he uh, definitely doesn't have control over his emotions, right, At at a lot of times. And to your point, right, he he lost them this game. I do think the Warriors are going to be battling for a playoff spot. How funny would it be? Not funny to Warriors fans, but how funny would it be if they end up missing the playoffs by one game or end up getting the 9 or 10 seed instead of the 7 or 8 seed by one game or or less? I think the West standings are going to be really tight. So I think that that's somewhat possible I think it'd be
2: hilarious
0: (laughs) (laughs) so I think we've touched on Draymond probably way too much at this point but speaking of playoff implications let's move on to uh, another topic which is injuries and the impact of injuries and the impact of injuries on teams that are likely going to compete in particular let's talk about AD all right so AD has been out for or he's going to be out for about three weeks so they say Uh, the Lakers have lost two in a row They've fallen into a tie for second, third in the West. What do you guys think the impact of this AD injury is going to be? Is it important for the Lakers to get the one seed? Does it not matter? Is it possibly arguable that it's going to end up being good for them? Because some people are going to get minutes that weren't. What do you guys think there?
2: It's certainly not good for them. And I I see where your head is at with that. But I just I just disagree. Maybe with some teams, it could be important to get that you know, play time for some of those players who you might have to rely on in the playoffs or in the finals. But this team just won the finals. A lot of the players you're talking about, like Kyle Kuzma, KCP, Caruso, these guys have already gotten some big minutes in the finals. And I don't think additional regular season minutes, you know, with the ball in their hand is really going to change their mentality. I think this team has that championship mentality. So at the end of the day, it's just, you know, a, a difficult, bumpy path that they're going to have to be riding for the next month or so of course you know losing and Arguably the best defender in the nba who's also an offensive superstar is is going to hurt your team and LeBron's been putting a lot of weight on his shoulder having an mvp caliber caliber season as a 36 year old and he's gonna Have to put more weight on his shoulders in a year where you'd probably rather have less weight so that he can save that energy for the playoffs so it's it's a big hit for them, and I'm curious to see how they weather it. I would think it would be kind of smart to be resting Le- LeBron, take some losses. The one he doesn't matter to them at all. And I think the most important thing is having AD and LeBron completely healthy by the time the playoffs roll around.
1: Yeah, I agree with what Doka said. I said this a couple months ago when we did our couple first episodes of the pod. I said if AD and LeBron win this championship this year, AD will never win another championship again and he is not going to ever win another championship because one of the two of them is going to go down. They're not going to be ready for the championship this year. They're not going to be ready for the playoffs. I think it's smart for them to rest LeBron and AD a lot going into the playoffs. We'll see if it actually happens, but I don't think this worry in the short term is going to hurt them at all.
2: That spicy take came out of nowhere. It's been a while since we've had a, a hot Don take not based in reality. Yeah, I don't know what
0: world you're living on. I, I would like to see you you know, put your money where your mouth is on that and go put some money down saying AD's never going to win a championship again while he's I'm continuing ready. to play with LeBron, who's an MVP candidate this year. So I tend to agree that it's really not going to make any sort of impact at all. I do think that they should consider sitting out LeBron while AD is out and just let the Lakers bench players just go for it and see what they can do. And one of the main reasons I think that is I don't think they're gonna be able to get the one seed now like they're gonna end up falling too far behind the jazz i do think the jazz are gonna end up getting the one seed i think they'll end up falling too far behind them and now i wonder if they don't care about seeds so much that they would rather have the four seed than the three seed so sitting lebron out and taking hits might be fine now i don't think it's it's definitely not easy to play for seeds you definitely don't want to go out there and lose but i think at this point they're like you know what the two and the three, so it doesn't matter. We'll run into the Clippers either way. And if we end up dropping to the four, fine. That might even be better for us. We don't have to play the Clippers in the second round. They should
2: tank for Cade. <laughs> in, in all seriousness, I, I wouldn't be surprised if AD was actually not that hurt and they were just like, you know what? Let's just rest you through the all-star break and make sure you're 100%. So I, I, I'm with you. That'd be fine. I, I don't think they're too worried about this stretch coming up. But no. Okay, so we're all
0: pretty much on the same page there, but are there any injuries out there across the league that you're thinking, wow, that's a massive one and it's really going to hurt them down the the stretch? I mean, not even just injuries, but just resting players. Kyrie, Harden, and KD is an example. They're not getting a lot of
1: on-court time together. Does that worry you? The bitch squad. Yeah, they can just fuck themselves. I don't really want to talk about them, to be honest. I'm going to talk about Marcus Smart. I think getting him healthy back to the Celtics is so incredibly important. Yeah, out for multiple weeks, and then he just said, again, like his calf still hurts like hell, and we don't even know when he's coming back. And with Kemba, I mean, Kemba is is far from the days of health, let's say that. He is, he is a walk-in skeleton. I mean, the man is built out of sticks.
2: He dropped 28 the other night.
1: Yeah, that happens like once in a blue moon now. I'm just saying you cannot rely on Kemba Walker's health, unfortunately. I mean, former Hornet, love him to death. You just can't rely on his health right now. And Marcus Smart is going to be needed with that team. I think he is the most important piece of that team that is missing right now, especially with Jalen and Tatum playing well. I just don't think Peyton Pritchard is going to be the one that leads them into a playoff contention series. And I don't know. There's still a lot of the season left. I just, I do worry because I, without Marcus Smart on that team, I don't think the Celtics are really that competitive. Well,
0: that's an interesting one. I honestly, I didn't think that one was going to get brought up, but I will say, you know, while we're at it, Marcus Smart, Kemba, Jalen Brown, and Jason Tatum have only played 28 minutes together this entire season. So I do think some of the struggles that people are calling off from the Celtics might be a little overblown once they're fully healthy. I will also say that next week we're planning to do a Celtics-specific episode, so we should probably save all this stock for next week. What about any other injuries out there that you guys are super concerned about?
2: I have a few. First, I want to go back to the Nets comment. I know Don doesn't want to talk about them, but Ryan, you asked, could it be helpful for the Lakers to... to you know, have some of those bench guys play while AD's out. I don't think so with the Lakers, but I do think so with the Nets. I'm not worried at all about the big threes chemistry, like at all. When they're all on the court together, they're going to be completely fine. They're going to ball. They're just way too talented to not. But what they could really use is some development and chemistry of some of the other guys and how they integrate with some of these other players. So I do think it's important that while these guys are resting and sitting you have some of the other bench guys that are able to step in and play. I think Claxton's coming back soon from in- injury. And so, you know, getting him integrated back into the team and seeing what he can bring to the squad. You know, things like that I think will be really important. From an injury perspective, there's kind of two big ones that are, are standing out in my mind. And one team is being more affected than the other. The first is Drew Holiday. That one is really killing the bucks. I mean, they're they're losing a lot of games. and unlike some of these other teams who don't really care about the regular season that much and they're confident that once they get in the playoffs, they'll be okay. I don't think the Bucks have that same confidence. And they're also more of a new group that's playing together. You know, Drew Holiday never really got that integration and and determined like where he fits on this team. And that's something they want to be figuring out right now, not you know, come playoff time. So I think they're sweating that a little bit, but hopefully Drew will be back soon. The other one is CJ McCollum and, and Nurkic, two massive guys for a, a Blazers team that I know Don and I loved preseason, had them finishing third. I am blown away by how well they're playing without those two guys. Dame is really putting that team on his back, and it's it's been really incredible to to watch him just drag that hobbled team into a position to finish in the top half. But when those two guys come back, I think they could be as good as Don and I originally thought. And I know we were questioning ourselves a little bit, but if they can be this good without those two guys, CJ was having a career year. He was playing out of his mind. And Nurkic was kind of getting reintegrated, but I think we saw in the bubble what he's capable of when he's fully healthy. If those two guys can come back and play to their potential, I genuinely believe they can beat anyone.
1: Yeah, I, I like that. I mean, it's also forced time. For some development, some more development, at least with Gary Trent Jr., who stepped up and getting him back in the flow of, of playing well, as, as well as Covington. Covington was playing really poorly beginning of the season, and he stepped up huge, especially over the past couple of games, especially with Nur- Nurkic going down. So I would love to see the Blazers step back up. In regards to Drew Holiday, I definitely think that there is cause for concern for the Bucks. I am a, I'm more of a second-tier Bucks fan. I love Giannis. I am very worried with, with Drew Holiday gone, it forces Giannis to play more of a point guard position and, and bring the ball up a lot, which he does with, with Drew out. And while that's good from a statistical standpoint for those fantasy owners, it really hurts the team. And DiVincenzo, he is so hit or miss as a player. Like you definitely need to get more minutes to other guys. And I think he tries to fill the role of Drew sometimes and he's nowhere near the caliber of players. So if on the Bucks, the only way I think they make any type of championship run is if two things happen. One, Drew Holiday comes back healthy and plays like the all-star he can be. <laughs> and then the other one is is the big one. And Delka, you know, my favorite defensive player in the NBA, Torrey Craig, needs to come <laughs> Oh, <up>. my God.
2: <laughs> wow. To is Tory Craig, like, paying you or something? <laughs> like, why are we even talking about Torrey Craig? It's like the third time Don's brought up Tory Craig. If I would love if, to if, if Tory Craig can improve his Gatorade passing game, like he needs to get those glasses or cups of Gatorade, Gatorade to the team efficiently and quickly with a positive yeah. attitude. They need those electrolytes and Tory Craig can deliver them.
1: I'm like almost I'm pretty much out on the Bucks this year. I think I mean I just think the Nets are going to win it all unfortunately. I I just and also looking at how the Bucks have been playing You need Drew to step up and you need defensive presence. They just don't really have it that much. And Giannis has been playing really well. If you look at the games he's had with Drew going down, they've been phenomenal. It's just not enough. And, you know, a lot of question marks for that franchise coming this offseason for sure. And what do they need to do? Yeah,
0: I I agree that Drew is important for that team, but I also you can go back to prior episodes when I said when they made that trade, I don't think it made them any better. So even with Drew, I I don't think it matters. Right? He'll come back. Maybe if he comes, maybe with Drew and without Drew, they advance one extra series in my mind. But I don't think it really matters because I I don't really see them as getting out of the East either way. So it's not a huge one to me. The Blazers one is interesting. I agree that they've been playing really well. Um, I do think that some of the things that have been highlighted is that McCollum's not a good defender. Nurkic is a very average defender, and they've had chances to play a very defensive lineup in the last couple of weeks, and I think that's helping them. So We'll see how that shakes out once they do have those options back there from uh, Nurkic and McCollum coming back. Sounds like Nurkic is actually on the upswing of possibly coming back in the next two or three weeks right after the All-Star break. Alright, so that wraps it up for us on this topic. We'll be right back after a short break with the Granny Quiz Question of the Week. <music> All right, guys. So granny quiz question of the week. Before we jump into that, let me just address one thing. For those of you that have listened to our prior episodes, we did a granny fantasy segment specifically around the upcoming week in fantasy basketball. We are making a decision to pull that out and put it into its own little series. So you can check that out every single Monday. We'll have that published It'll be its own little 5-10 minute episode, same gang that you hear here, but it's going to be specific to fantasy, real quick snapshots of what we think you should do, how to help you dominate your league, things of that nature. But let's get into the Granny Quiz question of the week. Guys, I know you said you thought you you had it, at least a couple, but I am going to reread the question in case you forgot. The question was... Kobe Bryant and Bob Pettit are tied with the most all-star game MVP awards, each having won four. After that, the list contains four players that are tied with three MVPs each. Name as many of those four as you can. Now, if you've never heard Bob Pettit's name before, he played in the 50s and early 60s. He was a Hooper.
2: He was. So, I'm trying to think of what what types of players would like dominate in a in a game like that. I think two of them seem kind of obvious MJ and LeBron yeah those are correct yeah and then this is where I I I get a little uh unsure as you know I'm not like like one of the best players of this era would be Tim Duncan but I can't see Tim Duncan being the guy who's like yeah I gotta go out and and hoop in a all-star game so
0: Mr. Fundamental is not an
2: all-star style guy (laughs) so I'm I'm thinking Shaquille O'Neal would be someone who would would love to to dominate games like that Shaquille's one i know that Shaq is one that's correct this is
1: the one now this is where it gets interesting
0: where, so you, uh, guys, I have, you guys nailed the ones you, you nailed mj you nailed
1: lebron those are the obvious ones
0: Shaq is the other one from kind of you know this era ish yeah the other one is
1: is more uh more old school cream oh. abdul jabbar no i was gonna say well if it's Yeah, I don't know if it's an older, older guy. I don't know. I thought KD would be on that list. Or maybe Russ. Can you give us a uh, decade?
0: KD and Russ have both won twice, so they could add their name to that list this year. If, well, probably not Westbrook, because I doubt Westbrook makes the game. Mid-60s, early 70s is the era you're looking at here. Oh, is it Will Chamberlain? No, you guys aren't getting it. I'm going to tell you. The big uh, Oscar Oscar Oscar. Oh, Ooh. Ooh. I don't know if that counts.
1: I said Oscar before you said it. And
2: Can I you award see my you screen in the background.
1: <laughs> God. What do you say? <laughs> I award you your he...
2: points and may God have mercy on your soul, Don. <laughs> I'll
0: give you guys both three points there. It's a tie for this week. Oh, man. So recapping MJ, LeBron, Shaq, Oscar Robinson each have three. LeBron's got a shot this year to get four, which would tie him with Kobe and Bob Pettit as the most ever.
2: Oscar Robbins is he maybe the most underrated megastar in NBA history? He's one, he's up yeah. there. That would be a fun segment to have our most
0: underrated NBA players of all time. Yeah, yeah, that would be a fun episode. All right, well, well that wraps it up for us for today, guys. Um, any final comments for the
1: granny fannies out there? You know, Don loves you and always support Team Don over Team Ryan this isn't a competition don i don't know what this this thing you're
0: trying to create here is but it's not happening i'm team don i hate you both all right granny fannies we'll talk to you next week but before we close it out here please give us a follow on twitter at granny nba hit us up on our instagram at granny shot nba and send us an email granny shot nba gmail.com thanks again for listening to us again this is granny shot